of Ezra. Ezra chapter number three in your Bibles. We're going to read a passage of scripture here and we're going to flip over to another very small book. If you want to go ahead and open there and hold your finger in it, you can. But this is the book of Haggai. It's only two chapters. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, and Matthew. So if you go to your New Testament, Matthew, and flip back just a few pages, you'll find yourself in Haggai. So the book of Ezra we'll be starting off with, and then we'll be in the book of Haggai as well. So we'll start off in Ezra. I'm going to read here chapter number 3, verse number 10. Chapter 3 and verse number 10, we're going to read a portion of Scripture, and then we'll be over in Haggai as well. The Bible says this, And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, And the Levites, the son of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house, when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice. And many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. Lord, I do ask that you would speak to us this morning. Again, I pray that you would help us to understand something out of your word. Lord, I pray that your, your word would just be made alive to us. Help us to draw some things out of it and apply it here to our own life. Lord, may we just seek to honor and glorify you above all. And again, it's in your name we ask it. Amen. So, folks, I want to bring you up to speed real quick of what's happening. Sometimes these, these books here in the Bible, these smaller ones, these prophetic books, the book of Ezra and the book of Haggai, while there's quite a few pages in between them in your Bible, believe it or not, they're going on about the same time. The book of Ezra, the guy that's writing this book, and then the book of Haggai, when it was being written, they were looking at the same event And they were writing about it from their perspective and from what they were seeing. And they were writing what God was telling them to write about the same thing. So I want to bring you up to speed with what's happening because there's a lot of events that was leading up to this. So if you remember Israel, it was a nation. It was a group of people. They were God's chosen people. And farther back in the Old Testament, you probably remember a guy named King David. He was the guy that killed the giant. And he was the guy that, boy, he was, he was beloved by many people. And when he died, his son, Solomon, he became the king. When a king dies, usually it's his son. So Solomon, he took the throne. And boy, Solomon, he was so wise. And, and boy, God blessed him with many, many riches because of how great of a king he was. And God let Solomon build a temple. And when we read about this temple, it was a grand, beautiful place. Folks, they brought in cedar posts, massive cedar trees to to build the posts of this building. It was inlaid with jewels and with gold. It was beautiful to look at. Folks, this was the house of God. At this time in the Old Testament, it was not that you had a church here and a church here and a church here. The nation of Israel, they had one temple. 
And they had a group of priests, which we don't have today. They had priests where these priests would be there when the sacrifices were made. And this is something that brought honor to the Lord. Now we do things differently. But they worshipped in the temple. Beautiful, beautiful temple. Then as these people, they were, boy, they were shouting. Things were great. Things were going wonderful. Tragedy struck the nation of Israel. Folks, they, they forgot to honor and worship God in ways that they ought. We see time and time again the nation of Israel, they chose to disobey God. Much like we do. We're not that much different. We disobey God, don't we? So they disobeyed God, and then God ended up bring, allowing the nation of Israel to be taken captive. This was something that happened, we see in this time and period. You would have a great army. They would come in, and, and they would overtake the city. They overtook the nation of Israel. And they carried them into exile. Folks, the people that were left behind, there weren't many people left in the nation of Israel, in their land. And they were taken away. They were taken captives. I mean, I want you to picture that. Imagine here and today. Here we are. We're in our homes. We're working. We're spending time with our family, with our loved ones. And then an army comes over the hill that we didn't expect to see. And they come into our homes. They break down our doors. They drag our wives and our children away from us and they put us to work. They make us slaves. They carry us away from our homes to be captive in their land. That's what happened to the nation of Israel. And finally, years later, the people that took them captive, they ended up losing a war too. And so the new guy, he's looking at this nation of Israel and he says, hey, I've got all these people here. I mean, they were here before. I don't have any quarrel with them. The new guy, he says... I'm going to let them go back home. I'm going to send them home. And I'm going to let them build a new temple. Because the old temple, the grand, beautiful place, it was torn down. It was destroyed. That was God's temple. It was destroyed. So the new guy, he says, I'm going to let them build a new temple. Boy, what a wonderful guy that I am. I'm going to send them home and let them have a new house. And this is where we start looking at this event. This guy, Ezra, he's talking about this. He sees it. So, boy, the, the, the Israelites, they get back home, and these are some young, strapping guys. You might, the one guy, his name was Zerubbabel. He was there. He was one of the guys that, that helped build this place. And when they got the stones together, they began to build it. They laid the cornerstone, right? That's where the, the house is going to be built off of. They laid the cornerstone, and, and they start laying the foundation, and they start to build it. And, boy, they're excited. Hey, we got to come home from slavery, Boy, that'd be a nice day, wouldn't it? You've been over here, you were a slave, and, and boy, you got to come back home to your own house? That would be awesome. So they come back home, and, and they see the temple in shambles, and they start to build the house of God again. And boy, they're rejoicing. They're happy. But there were a few people. So the Bible says some of the ancient ones, some of the ones that had lived there before the temple was destroyed, the Bible says, look what it says right here in verse, number, um, in verse number 13. And they sang together by course and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good. For his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house. When the foundations of this house was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice. Folks, the folks that had seen the first temple, when the new one was beginning to be built, the Bible says they cried loudly. It wasn't just they were looking at it and they had a trickle in their eye. Folks, the Bible says they wept 
They cried. They were disappointed. They were disheartened. And they were so upset and they were hurt. Which is what I want to bring us over here to Haggai. And then we'll look at it here more closely. If you flip over, if you're not there yet, we're in Haggai. That's right before the New Testament. Haggai chapter number 2, verse number 1. This is why they were crying. Because he's looking at the same thing. In the seventh month, in the twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord to the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jozadak, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all the people of the land, saith the Lord. And work, for I am with you, that saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that the covenant with you which came out of Egypt. So my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Folks, what had happened is when they saw the new house that was being built, they thought to themselves, I remember the first temple. It was beautiful. There were, there were there was cedar posts and there was pearls and there was gold and there were jewels and it was this beautiful place. And now this new temple, it's as of nothing. It's nothing. It's nowhere near in comparison. Well, we're not even able to, to, to compare to it with what we're building. And they wept and they cried. And some of the ones that saw the first one, they were so upset because the new one wasn't even anything compared to it. And folks, what I want to bring to light is this. And here's the question we're going to ask ourselves. And here's what I want to challenge us all with this morning. Why would we pout when instead we could praise why would we pout when instead we could praise? You know, that's something that I believe a lot of times I'm guilty of. I believe all of us are guilty of it. Sometimes we look at a situation and boy, we begin to, we begin to hang our heads and we, and we pout and we cry and we think about how good things could be. And we begin to pout and we begin to whine and we, and we look at how awful a situation is when instead... We could be looking at the same situation and we could be praising God. And I want to show us something right here out of the book of Haggai. We want to bring this to light. And I believe it will be a help to all of us here this morning about how we can praise God even in the hard times. Folks, the first thing we need to do is this. We need to be willing to thank God for all things. We need to be willing to thank God for all things. I don't believe that we can thank God because of all things. But I can thank God in all things. Let me give you an example. Let's say something happens in my life. Let's say I end up being struck with some kind of awful, awful sickness or some kind of disease. Or maybe something happens and maybe something difficult and hard happens. Maybe my house burned down. See, you know, difficult things happen in life. You know, they do. Life happens. We live in this sin-cursed world. 
But I don't necessarily have to be thankful because I lost my house. But I can be thankful to God because he is still there. And I can be thankful for God for taking care of me in those hard times. It's almost like when I see something difficult happening, the Lord might give me some kind of infliction. We think about, hey, the Apostle Paul. You know, he had that thorn in the flesh. And he prayed, the Bible says, three times he prayed and said, God, I want you to remove this thorn from my side. And the Lord said, no, I just need you to rest on me. Trust in me. You know, where you're weak, that's where I'm strong. And folks, while Paul might not have been thankful for the thorn, he could be thankful that God was there to lift him up with the thorn. So we need to learn to be thankful to God whenever we can. It's something that we, I don't know if it's maybe our, our American mindset. We've got it so good. We've got it so good that sometimes we forget to be thankful for just how good we have it, don't we? Boy, I mean, we, we don't necessarily know, I believe, what, what true poverty is. I don't think many of us understand exactly how good we've got it. You know, we, we look at some situations, we look at maybe where our economy is or whatever, and we say, oh, you know, look how awful things are getting. But, but boy, truth be told, in our day and time, we've got it pretty good. I mean, there's, there's food in our bellies. We've got warm clothes on our back. We've got a house to live in. Folks, God has so greatly blessed us. And I know myself, speaking personally, sometimes I forget just how good I've got it. And sometimes I believe I ought to bow my head and thank God just for how good things really are instead of getting upset and being unthankful just because my cable goes out. How many of us have been there before? You know, I'm trying to do work on my computer and the Internet cuts out. and Now I can't send an email. You know, and I'm on the phone with Spectrum. Fix it now. And that's the way we feel. Boy, we get so focused on something that doesn't seem right or something that seems so trivial. We're unthankful for just how good things really are. Sure, they had been in captivity, but boy, things were turning around. God had let them come back home. They were getting ready to build a new temple. They were getting ready to see the glory of God. And, and all around them, people were rejoicing. We're back home. We get to build a new temple. Lord, thank you. And then over here, there were these few. I remember how it used to be. And they couldn't be thankful because of what was going on. Because they knew what they could have had. Folks, let's not focus on what the way things could be. Let's focus on what God has given us and how good we do have it. And let's learn to be thankful for these things. We sometimes need to be thankful for the way things were. Right? These guys, instead of looking back and thinking, oh, that's the way it should be now. You know, sometimes good times come and good times go. When those good times come to an end... And, and sometimes they do. They happen. I can look back and I can still be thankful for what God let me live through. God, thank you for those good times. Thank you for how wonderful it was then. I remember shortly after I graduated from high school, you know, you know two years ago, it might look like. <laughs> I had somebody tell me a couple days ago I looked like I was 19. I wasn't sure if I should be thankful or upset. <laughs> but I remember I was, I, I, when, shortly after I got out of high school, uh, my class, there wasn't but eight of us in my class. And boy, we were close. Most of us have been together since, you know, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And we knew each other really well. I mean, really well. You know, we, we, were, we were like a family. And I remember while we were there together, we were at school. We'd have a good time, man. We'd play ball. We would go to each other's houses. And then when school was over, 
You know, I can look back and think to myself, I remember how things used to be. And I can hang my head about now how, oh, it's not that way anymore. I don't, I don't have the friends the way I used to. I don't get to have fun the way I used to. Now it's nothing but responsibilities and, and work and bills and it's, it's this and this and this. And I can think about how things used to be and be upset. Or I can look back and say, God, thank you for the good times. I'm thank you, thankful that I got to have them. Lord, I'm thankful for the time I got to spend there. It might not be the same way now, but Lord, thank you. And that's something we can be thankful for looking back, and, and we can be thankful for things to come. You know, we have no idea necessarily what's in the future, but just because it's not the same doesn't mean God still can't use it. Just because it's not the same thing doesn't mean it's not as good. It might just be different. Folks, we can thank God for what's to come. These guys, because they were looking back, they weren't able to be thankful for the new temple. Folks, God was building a house. God was building a temple. This was where worship was going to be. But because they were so fixed on the past, they couldn't see what God was doing right in front of them. Folks, sometimes we need to open our eyes and see what God's doing right here and right now and be thankful for what's in front of us and not compare it to the days gone by. Days come and days go. But let's thank God for what has been and also what could be in front of us. Secondly, I want to show you this. First, we need to be thankful. Thank God for all things. That's why we, we shouldn't pout. Man, praise God for what we had and what we do have. But secondly, we ought not to make comparisons. We ought not to make comparisons. And, and here's what I mean. These guys, they were looking back at Solomon's temple and they saw how beautiful it was. Boy, how wonderful it was. How pretty it is. Boy, boy, Solomon, we've done such a great job, Solomon. And now we have this new temple. Ah, it's not going to be as good. It's not. It's not going to be as pretty. It's not going to be as grand. It's not going to be as, as wonderful as that first one. And they started comparing the two. Folks, these new guys, they had just come back from nearly 70 years of captivity. They were coming back into their land, into their homeland with nothing. They were doing the absolute best they could with what they had. Over here, King Solomon, he was one of the richest men that ever lived. He was one of the wisest men that ever lived. Israel was in its heyday with King Solomon. So Solomon, he was just able to snap his fingers. Hey, guys, let's do this. Here's the plans. I want, I want gold. I want silver. I want, I want the cedar. I want the pearls. This is going to be the house of God. We're going, to, we're going to do this thing right. And how dare these guys compare this temple when they are doing the best they can to something that they would never even be able to reach up to. I want to tell you what I'm guilty of. I am guilty of sometimes looking at what I have and what I'm doing and comparing it to what someone else is doing down the road. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some other place. I'm looking at some other, uh, some other way this guy is working here, this guy is doing there. And, and then why do we look at what we've got and say, oh, this is, this is just so, uh, it's so insignificant compared to what Solomon had. Lord, Why? Why do we make comparisons? Why do we have to think we have to have a business as big as the other guy's business? Why do we think we have to have a house as big as the other guy's house? Why does, why does my car have to be as big as the other guy's car? Folks, the Bible is telling us here, and what I believe is happening with these men, they didn't realize that they were still doing the best they could with what they had. And because of the pride that was in their hearts, 
They thought that this had to be just as good as the other one or it's never going to be good enough. Folks, it's wrong for us to be able to make comparisons. I might not have the same ability that someone else has. I'll tell you something that I wish. That there, there are three men right now I'm thinking of that God has blessed them with, which is this manly, booming voice, right? Hey, have you guys ever walked up to someone and you say hey to them and they, their voice just kind of like it blows you away, right? There's this one guy I grew up with and he was, he was my teacher when I was, oh goodness, I mean, I'm back to when I was three or four years old. And he was just the, the nicest man. And, and I know this is a recording, and he might hear it. And if he does, that's fine, because I would say it to his face. His name was, uh, his name was Bob Lambertus. And boy, this guy, when you just talk to him, he doesn't have to try. But he's got one of these things you would say. He's got a voice for radio. You know, you just walk up to him, you shake his hand. How are you doing, young man? You know, <laughs> and I, I would always think, man. I wish I could sound like that guy. If I, if I had that kind of voice, man, every time I would speak, heads would turn and look my way just because I would have the voice. But, you know, why would I ever compare my voice to another voice that God has given someone else? It's not my job to do that. It's my job to work my hardest with what I've got. And it's their job to work their hardest with what they've got. Folks, Solomon did what he was supposed to do in his day. These men were doing what they were supposed to do in their day. They were doing what they could with what they had. And I believe these guys that were weeping and pouting because they knew how things could have been, they were missing out on an opportunity to praise and glorify God because they were too stuck on what could have been. They were too stuck on what they could have had. They started pouting when they could have been praising God. And I know we sometimes do the same thing because instead of looking at what's in front of us, we look at what's around us. Folks, our pride wants ours to be the best, ours to be the greatest. I want mine to, uh, to, to take note. I want everyone to see what I'm doing. Instead of thanking God for what's happened in the past, I let pride get in my way. Folks, let's learn to build others up. You know, I could look at Mr. Lambertus and I could say, God... Thank you for giving that guy that voice. I like hearing it. I'm glad that he got to teach me for a while. Those guys, they could have looked back and they could have said, man, those guys did such a great job building that temple. And, and over here, when they're doing what they can with what they've got, guys, you're doing such a great job. Man, that's, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Hey, this guy next to me, he's got a bigger house. Man, praise the Lord that God was able to bless him that way. That's wonderful. Man, I, I'm so glad the Lord was able to bless that person. And you see, see the difference? I could be someone that pouts because things aren't going my way. Or I could learn and take this as an opportunity to praise God for what he's doing for others. And praise God for how he's building up others. So we ought not make comparisons because something else looks better. Boy, let's build others up. Let's not compare. Let's rejoice when others rejoice. These guys were weeping when they could have been praising. And folks, number three, I want to show us this. And this is the most important one. If you miss the other two, please don't miss this one. Look at verse number six. And we'll read down through verse number nine. So Haggai 2, six through nine. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. Now here's Jehovah God. He shows up. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house 
with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Folks, here's where we miss out. We miss what God is doing in front of us because we are stuck looking at something else. Because we're stuck expecting glory to come from somewhere else. Folks, these guys, these men that were weeping, they thought the glory of God was in the old temple. They thought this place is grand. This building is grand. That that building was wonderful. This place is of absolutely nothing. Folks, if we want to have a church that glorifies God, if we want to have a church where glory is found, it doesn't matter what the walls look like. It doesn't matter how much cedar is in the building. It doesn't matter how much gold is in the building. It doesn't matter how many pearls are there. It doesn't matter how how tall and how much square footage is there. What matters is if God is there. Folks, that's where the glory was. This guy, he was saying, that, that, that excuse me, they were weeping because they thought this building wasn't going to be big enough. But God said, this second building, this place that looks like nothing, this place that looks like you know, in comparison, it's, it's small. It's insignificant. God says, this place, it's going to have more glory than the first place. Do you know why? He says, because the glory of God's going to be there. And here's what he meant. In Solomon's day, you know who wasn't around? Jesus Christ hadn't been born yet. He wasn't there. They were still looking for him to come. This new temple... You know who's going to be born during that temple's day? Jesus Christ. You know who's going to get to visit that place? Jesus Christ. You know who's going to get to teach in that place? Jesus Christ. Folks, that temple had more glory and was more used of God and was more important and was more special because God showed up. And if we are going to see God do anything. It doesn't matter about how grand things look in our eyes. It's how much glory is there in God's eyes. Folks, there's that song we sing that, boy, little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Listen, it's whether or not God is there. Folks, because of this temple, while it might seem small, it might seem like there was nothing going on there in front of those guys. When God shows up, that's when it's important. And God will give us tasks to do. He will. And you might think to yourself, Lord, this is, man, this is nothing. You want me to, to go in my room and shut the door behind me? And you want me to just be there all alone, praying by myself? What's the point of that? You're meeting with God. Lord, you want me to just, just, just share with, with my neighbor what God has done for me today? What, what's the point of that? You're doing it for the Lord. The glory of God's there. Folks, when God gives us something to do, it's not up to us to look how, at how big it is and, and how grand it is. It's whether or not is what God told us to do. And let me tell you this. God is able to take something tiny. And God can do more with something little than anyone ever could have done with something big. God was able to do more with that smaller second temple than Solomon ever did with this great, beautiful place. 
It's what God can take and God can use. I'm reminded of a story. And you guys studied about this when you were little. I remember a story where Jesus, he was there. He was in front of a whole bunch of people. And they all started to get pretty hungry. And while they were sitting there, they were hungry. This other little boy, he was over there. And his mom thought it important enough for him to have some lunch. And so they went around. They started looking. They're thinking, how are we going to feed all these people? Folks, Jesus took that one little boy's lunch. Five loaves and two fishes. You remember that, right? He took five loaves of bread and two little fishes. And he broke that bread. And he was able to feed 5,000 people with one little boy's lunch. God took something small that seemed of absolutely no value and was able to do something great with it. Never think that you can't do something great for God because you don't have the grandeur about you. You know, I'm so insignificant. Lord, I could never do anything great for you. Lord, I'm nothing. Lord, I'm, I'm nobody. I would never be able to do this or I would never be able to do that. Look at the way the Lord has used that man. I'll never be as great as Billy Sunday. I'll never be able to win people to the Lord. I'll never be able to preach like Oliver B. Green. I'll never be any of these guys. The Lord never asked you to. You know who the Lord wants you to be? You. You know what the Lord wants you to do? what you can with what you've got. Lord wants you to be you and to do what you can with what you've got. And if I will be faithful to the Lord and doing what I can do with the things that I have, the Lord can take that and do more with it than some other person could do with all their grandeur and with all their beauty and with all their wonderful things that might look good, but it's whether or not God appreciates it. So let me ask you this question. Do we pout when we could be praising? Do we sometimes hang our head low because things aren't the way we think they should be? Do we sometimes weep because we remember how great it used to be? Or, man, I think that's the way that God gets glory. When, boy, we could be praising God for what he's doing right in front of me. That's where these guys missed it. Man, they had an opportunity to praise God. But instead, they spent their time weeping. Folks, let's take these few lessons here from us. Number one, let's just be thankful for what God has done and for what he is doing. And number two, let's not compare what God has given us to do than to what God has given someone else to do. Just because God gave Solomon a great job doesn't mean this one's pointless. Just a different job. Let's be busy with what God has given us. Let's not compare ourselves. Let's build one another up. And folks, let's give God the glory because that's where the true glory is is whether or not God's in it. When God shows up, that's where the glory is. It's not in what we can do with our hands and what we can build or what the color of the walls of that temple was. It was a great temple because God was there. So let's do this. Let's remember to praise God whenever we have the opportunity. Let's praise God. Are we pouting when we could be praising? If we could, let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. My Father, I pray that you would help us to learn from these men as they came back and as they were building the new temple. Lord, to them, they said it seemed like it was nothing. They said it seemed like it was as nothing. But Lord, you gave that temple more glory than even the first one because you were there. Lord, I pray that we would be a church where you are found. Lord, I pray that you would be found in our hearts. I pray that you would be found in our minds. I pray that you would be found in our conversation, in our word, and in our spirit. Lord, I pray that this would be known as a house of God.
And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be busy putting our hands to the task that you have given us. And to keep our eyes forward, to do the job you've given us to do. Lord, thank you for blessing others. Lord, Lord you've, you've blessed other ministries. You've blessed other people. Lord, thank you for that. And Lord, thank you for the job you've given us to do. So folks, again, I'll ask that every head bowed and with every eye closed. We never want to close a service without giving folks an opportunity to do business with the Lord. Has maybe the Lord impressed something upon your heart this morning? Have you maybe seen times in, in your life where because of our flesh we're, we're prone to pout when we could be praising? Are we prone to hang our heads low and compare ourselves to others and what God's given them to do instead of thanking God for what he's given us to do? Let's be a church that builds one another up. And then when God does something good in someone else's life, then praise the Lord. And then when God does something good in our lives, praise the Lord. Let's remember to instead of pout, to praise. Just a few more moments to allow folks to, to do business with the Lord. day it's been. Lord, I'm so thankful for the scripture. I'm thankful for the word of God. I ask that you would help us to put that in the forefront of our minds, in the forefront of our hearts. And I pray that we would be able to worship you in, in spirit and in truth. Help us to be good stewards of God's word and to always put that first in the front of our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would give you the glory in everything. Lord, when things are going great, help us to give you the glory. And even when things don't seem to be going the way we want, Pray you'd still help us to be thankful and to give you the glory. Lord, we love you and we thank you and pray that you would just help us to honor you above all. For it's in your name we pray and ask it. Amen. Okay, well, folks, thank you so much for coming out this morning. A few reminders real quick before we, uh, before we take off. Uh, remember, there's, there's the sign-up sheets in, in the back if you're going to be joining us for the uh, 